Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Stuff Said with Greg Shegel. I am Greg Shegel, and this is a show where I talk to people in the world of comics, cartooning, etc., etc. Not only is it a new show, but if you're listening to this when it is released in January 2012, it's a new year, so happy new year. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. On today's show, I am talking to a gentleman who I've wanted to have on the show from day one. He is somebody I've known in my career in the world of comics since essentially day one. His name is Brian Smith. Most people who know him call him Smitty. That doesn't mean if you see him walking down the street, you call him Smitty. But we all call him Smitty, and you'll, you'll hear me refer to him as Smitty in the course of this conversation. Brian is a literal jack-of-all-trades. He draws, he writes, he writes and draws, he does editorial work, he can paint, he's got the voice of an angel. You're, it's like, it's like uh, I, got, I got nothing. But to folks who know comics, he is one of the co-creators and co-writers of The Stuff of Legend, his most recent project was the Intrepid Escape Goat miniseries from Third World Publishing. Is He's writing these uh, Voltron Force graphic novels for Viz Media that are coming out this year. And he's done a bunch of other stuff in the past. I'm telling you, he's he, he does it all. I've known Brian for a long time, and I hope our camaraderie comes through in this conversation, which, like others in the past, is a two-parter. So you'll get the first part now. Part two will come later in the month. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I don't have any New Year's revolutions to talk about, so there's no point in getting into that. I don't know if Brian does. And uh, it doesn't come up in this conversation. Not in part one, not in part two. So if you're hoping... For New Year's Resolution Talk, I'm going to recommend the possibility of another podcast, uh, Resolution Cast. It probably exists. There's a podcast for everything, including this one. So, let's get right to uh, my talk with my pal Smitty. This is weird. It is weird. It's weird. Because we talk every day. Just about. Just about. Every now we, we sometimes we'll go three days without talking. Uh, the dark three days. Oh, you're fine. You have a wife. <laughs> yeah. No, but we do. We touch base quite a bit. Any news, uh, you know, any any happenings in my life, you are... there aren't happenings. No, uh, yeah. It's just, what are work, you working on today? Working, working, yeah. But that comes from the fact that you and I... Of all the people I know in the world of comics, mm-hmm. you're the guy I've known the longest. I mean, when you really do the math on it, we were yeah. interns together. Yeah. What did you, what, you started, what, two weeks after me? Something like that? Yeah, same summer. I couldn't tell you what summer it was at this point. 98, 99? 96. Somewhere? 96? Yeah. No, it couldn't be 96. Summer 96. Is wow. your memory that shot? No, it's not shot. It's just, you know, it's, it's a blur. You know, I was up there for so long. Like, it, you know, from when I started to when I stopped, you know. 
Summer 96 is when you started. Because I, I didn't just do the one internship. I did multiple internships. I know. Yeah. But the first internship is yeah. the one that fascinates me. Right. So I spoke to Jacob. Mm-hmm. And when he got his internship, he had the option. You want to be an editorial intern or a bullpen intern? You were neither. No, I wasn't. You were the art returns intern. Yeah, it was a weird gig. But it was, it was a cool gig. But it was a weird gig. I mean, How, how did it happen? I, I actually interviewed... When uh, I interviewed for the internship, I interviewed with NRAB. Really? In the in the ex office. Yeah. And uh, I met with him, and um, that was that was like I thought that's where I was going to be. I thought I was going to be in the X Men office. I didn't really know at that point. Like, okay, well, this I thought like you're an intern, you just kind of sit in a spot, and then whoever needs you, hey, go photocopy this. Hey, go do this. Can you handle this? Like, you're just available to whoever. I didn't really know that it was like so kind of specialized, like you would either be here or there, and then you would be like assigned to that office for the duration of your internship. Uh, and then I showed up again, and they put me in the art returns department. <laughs> I want to describe, just I want to, studio, uh, uh, theater of the mind. All right. I want to describe the office, the offices we were in. So I was in an office with Tom Brevoort and Glenn Greenberg. Mm-hmm. There were two desks facing the walls. The room was maybe 15 by 15. Yeah, that's fair. Two desks facing opposite walls. Mm-hmm. Two editors sitting at the editor and the assistant at those desks. Did you have a couch? couch? You had a couch. Yep. I sat on the couch. There was even an extra chair in there. Bookshelves. Your office. Describe it. Probably quarter of that size. It was like a, it was like a room. Uh, Ten by five. I don't even know if it was that big. There was a there was a desk in the, there was a desk in the middle of the room. There was enough room in front of the desk for a single chair. Yeah, which I sat in. And there was no room behind the desk. It was just like filing cabinets. You know, it literally was, it was a, a glorified closet. But yeah. on the, uh, it had a half door. Yeah. So like, you know, you could just like kind of like lean on the door and look out into the hallway and see what was going yeah, on. Yeah, the top opened in the bottom. Yeah. Seat. A yeah. barn door, I think yeah. they call it. Yeah. But it had a nice little like kind of like yeah. leaning ledge on it. So I spent a lot of time just looking out into the world. <laughs> the left, if you walked into the, the, this, the room, the left hand side was just filled with manila envelopes. And it was like each manila envelope had an artist's name on it. And within that envelope, it was all the art that had been, you know, scanned and, and whatever used and is now ready to be returned to that artist. Yeah. So that was it. So it was a room full of art. I mean, which is, I was an illustration major. And so this is awesome for me just because sure. I get to look at stuff and photocopy things. And, you know, you would have been able to do that in editorial and the bullpen also. Yeah, probably. Probably <laughs> would have had access to all that With stuff. A little anyway. more breathing room. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was uh, Wilson Ramos was yeah. the art returns guy at the time. And uh, it was fun. It was it was a fun internship. And then, um, despite the fact that I was kind of not even in the same row as you guys, yeah, and kind of like uh, you know sequestered in this little room. You never had lunch with us because you was writing letters to your girlfriend. That's right. Yeah, was, no, who's now my wife? I know. Yeah. So I would write letters to her and send her comic books. Never had lunch with us, but yet you still. I, mean, you... I would go out for lunch on occasion. It wasn't yeah. like I. Yeah. But you were saying that, despite being. On the outskirts. Despite, yeah, despite not being an official kind of like editorial intern and not being privy to a lot of the stuff. You, I mean, you're sitting there in, in those offices and that, that's like the, that's the heartbeat. I yeah. mean, like you're getting, you're knowing everything that's happening. You, you're, you know, who's working on what. I had stories spoiled for me being in there. Yeah. But I did have, I, I had a lot of artists swing by, you know, and pick up their work because the guys are in the city. And You got to see me, me meet Alan Davis. I did. I did. Did I orchestrate that? No. Oh, no. okay. I was walking by and, uh. Jay Gardner was walking in the opposite direction towards you. Right. I would always take that route and stop by and talk to you because mm-hmm. that's what we did. Jay Gardner was coming the other direction with some dude. 
turn the corner and I heard him as I was turning the corner away. I remember that Wilson, right. you know, I want you to meet Alan Davis. And I boom, just stopped on my heel and yeah. spun around. And <laughs> I remember exactly what I said. Yeah. No, there's no reason to publicize that. <laughs> I rambled on about clandestine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. And he was very nice, but oh, he's awesome. He's he's just a really, you know, gracious dude. No, he's super nice and you know, it's one of those moments where like you you, you were there. Yeah. I would you know, I wish I'd have handled it more more awesomely. <laughs> hey, will you look at my work? Something. Not just like I really like clandestine. Yeah. But I was nervous as a kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were. Your your road to editorial though was a fairly long one. Yeah, you know, it at that time, and I don't know what it's like anymore, but you know, there was a real there was a real shot. If you had an internship up there, if you were an intern in editorial and you made a good impression and you didn't annoy people or whatever. I mean, like there was a, it was a pretty straight shot for contention for a job. And we had a pretty good sort of class yeah. of, of interns. Yeah. So there was a pretty good crop that all ended up sort of sliding in, yeah. getting slots. But you took a while. Yeah, maybe like a year or two after, I, after we graduated. I mean, after you, I, you went from art returns and then you were an intern in the bullpen. Yes. But you were an intern with like the Raiders, right? With Darren and... I'm yeah. You. No, no. I was I was with Darren Elk and uh, and Ponscom. Right. So it wasn't even a production. It was a Raiders intern. Yeah. It was more like hands on with the boards, doing art corrections. I remember Marvel had the uh, the Star Trek license at the time, and a lot of that stuff used to come to us because the costume detailing was always wrong in places. Like you know, a certain amount of rings on the sleeves or, or whatever. I'm not a big Star Trek fan. So yeah, me neither. So I just offended a lot of Star Trek fans by not knowing the proper. Stuff. You could have done what I do and call it Star Trek. <laughs> but yeah, I was back in back when we were interns. I was uh, art corrections. Right, that would have been the yeah. year after I was already gone. Yes. And then when I started working there, you you were no longer an intern. We had all graduated college, mm-hmm. and you would you were off work. You were painting murals and stuff. Yeah. Before you got into Marvel, which again was a bit of a struggle. Because there weren't spots, and then finally spots opened. And how many times did you interview for the for the Bobby Chase assistant job? Do you remember? Maybe well, one big interview. Yeah. Like, and then a, like a second follow up interview, and then I actually did a day in the office. Like, I actually showed up, and like they had me do a full day, be there at nine o'clock. You know, answer the phone, like you know, yeah. real like hands on, like okay, can you do it? Now, do you think that came from the fact that your internships were not in editorial or, or and because they were in things like art returns in the bullpen, that maybe there was an impression of this guy's not built for the editorial. Maybe, maybe. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the contact with the editors, right? Like in those, in those internships, like a lot of the assistants I knew, I got to know pretty well just because yeah. we're closer in age and, um, you know, you, you pal around with them and, you know, go to lunch or whatever. But, um, yeah, like the the, the full editors, like I, I didn't know half of them. Like yeah. I, I didn't even know what they looked like in a lot of cases. Like before, I, I actually got the job. Like I didn't know what Ralph Macchio looked like for at least a year after I started working there. Well, he was in that back corner office. He was all the way down at the end of the row. There was never any reason to go down there, yeah. and you know, he didn't show up till noon. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then you finally started working as Bobby Chase's assistant. You remember when you started? Ninety-eight in the ninety? No, it would have been ninety-eight. Probably like 98 or 99, somewhere in there. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, it would have been 98. I graduated college 97. in 97. Yeah. yeah. And then I worked for a company called Modeworks 
for about a year uh, doing mural painting and installations. Right. You studied uh, illustration at FIT. Yes. So started, you know, started work at Marvel. You were Bobby I mean, Chase's when, assistant. When I got my internship at Marvel, uh, you know, you had to get college credit. Yeah. Uh, I never got college credit for my internship. Really? Really. I, I, I knew that the internships were available. I really wanted to, to get in the building. I really wanted to do that. I was, you know, like a lot of people really into comics. And, uh, got the interview, and then they told me that I had to get college credit. So I went to my, uh, my chairperson, department chairperson, and they said, no, well, we, we don't do that. I'm like, well, can you write me a letter saying that I am going to get college credit? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. So she did. She wrote me a letter. I never got a single college credit. I spent more time as an intern than like years. <laughs> not just not just over the summer. Like I I continued my internships yeah. like during the school year. I would just because I was on Twenty Seventh Street in Manhattan. Uh, Marvel was on Twenty Seventh and Park at the time, so it was just a straight shot. I'd come Did over. Did they ever and, give a reason why there was no college credit? I don't know. No, it's just you know for whatever reason it's a they didn't have internships for my my uh, major. It wasn't a required thing to do. Hmm. And like you know, I guess. It's funny. I remember when I was trying to get the internship myself, the intern coordinator I had spoken to at the time, uh, Mary McFerrin, mm-hmm. who then was gone by the time we were interns. Yeah. I remember her telling me that SVA students wouldn't, couldn't get credit. So they, there were never any SVA interns. Mm-hmm. Yet Adelphi interns got paid. Yeah. Which was a weird, yeah. seemed unfair. Yeah. They but- got paid in like leftover comics. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a definite like you know when you when you study I guess like the rings of a tree or like uh, you know the geology of the earth and you get certain levels you could tell like what happened at that time in the, in the planet. Sure. If you get to a certain level in my comic book collection and there's like ten issues of Superboy, the same issue of Superboy, <laughs> that's like when I was interning at Marvel because I would just take it out of the the bin of comics like oh I don't think I have this one I'd bring it home like oh I have three of these and I'd put it in the stack. You never remembered the covers. I just would like there were comics, like especially DC comics were yeah. kind of rare at that those, time. Yeah, those were prized. Yeah. So, so if you saw one, like, oh, I'm not, you know, whatever, I'll read this later and then throw it in my bag and leave. There were a lot of those Clive Barker books around though. Yeah. Like, a lot of Clive Barker books. I guess for, for people that don't know, like there used to be like a, they used to call it the dump. Yeah. Cause the like dump the, the Marvel comics dump box and like any comics from editorial or anywhere, the people didn't want them. They'd put them in these piles in these boxes and like, interns would just swoop like vultures so like to try and pick through these things to find out find anything that was uh, worth taking there very rarely was that's why i have like 15 20 copies of like you know tom grummet superboy comic. yeah 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 not only that like just other weird things that just for some reason like people were just put in the well we weren't getting pile. paid yet to just no. you, you got what you could yeah for those three months or however long wasn't we were getting paid and wasn't getting any college credit <laughs> <laughs> After when you finally get the job as the assistant editor, yes, what was your perception of what the job was going to be, and how did it match or not match that preconceived notion? Uh, I, th- I think it, it was pretty much what I expected, but not uh, not everything. Like you know, it's like a, it really is like uh, juggling. Every day you're you're doing like you're doing a similar thing every day, but every day is a little bit different. You know, as far as what's coming into the office, who you need to talk to, what needs to start up, what needs to go out, you know. Um, there's definitely a lot more, like, hands-on with people, which was great, you know, just because you, you get to, t- I mean, as, as somebody who's a, as a, an illustrator, you get to talk to artists that you admire and, you know, 
learn what you can from them, ask them questions about their work, how they did this, you know, not, not even like in an editorial capacity. This is more of just like a, you know, a, an observer, somebody who's interested in learning how to do this right. better themselves. It's also almost a peer to peer. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. But uh, you know, you, even, even like when I was in, uh, you know, an intern in the art returns department, like actually physically seeing the artwork really like turned on a lot of lights in my head as far as like how they achieve certain things, you know, actually seeing inked boards and seeing right. what they look the like. The first time you see even a penciled page, a professionally penciled page, it's yeah. completely eye-opening. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'd say like pretty much all throughout my time at Marvel, I really tried to take advantage of talking to people and like learning everything I could about like how their brain works and how they arrived at this, you know, conclusion, this, this artistic conclusion. But yeah, the, the nuts and bolts of the job, it was, it was fun. You know, like I didn't necessarily have like a, like an Iron Man story that I was burning to tell, but I have ideas for how the character should kind of, you know, be, yeah. and you know, and, and uh, from an editorial standpoint, being able to contribute ideas to a story, not writing the story. Cause you know, and again, like depending on what editorial editorial office you're in, I think, you could be a very heavy handed editor or you could be just kind of like almost like a trafficker. And, you know, I didn't want to be either one of those things. I kind of wanted to, you know, help out as much as I could on every aspect of it. So whether it's like contributing ideas or, you know, having ideas, uh, listening to ideas, bouncing back and forth or whatever, and especially having the art background and you know, this as well, you know, being able to contribute on that level as an artist and talk to artists about art from an artist standpoint. I don't think a lot of people up there, editorial in general in comics have that art background most of them come from a writing background yeah um but then you you know when joe casada came in as editor-in-chief I, I thought that was great because you know here you have one of the you know one of the, the the most popular artists working in comics today kind of like you know steering the ship like there's going to be some really cool stuff coming out of this like art wise how long into your assisted editorial ship with bobby chase mm-hmm. did she leave on maternity oh i don't know it was it was a couple of months in i mean like it was it wasn't very long like we we like you were a brand new assistant yeah bobby was pregnant yes which i don't think is speaking out of school i don't think we're giving away uh, personal stories about people who aren't here <laughs> no. but she ended up having to take early maternity yeah but she was gone and you had been i mean for a guy who took who's like road to editorial was that long yeah you were then you're on it. It's like it's your office now. Yeah, that was, it was almost pretty, almost like good luck. It was pretty terrifying. You know, I mean, I, I don't I don't think I, I hopefully I didn't let it get to me like in the office. But like, you know, there was a lot of like just thoughts of this is going to crush me, you know, when you go home. But I think I think it turned out OK. There was actually there was a couple of disasters. I remember. Tell like, us one of them. I remember. Uh, you used to have to, you'd FedEx to Bobby everything that would come in, right? Yes, copies yeah. of plots, pages, plots, the whole thing, lettering, balloon placements. Yeah, uh, you know anything that came in. Was she sending stuff back? Was she doing any notes and sending them back, or she would work from home, call artists, and then you'd sort of pick up the. I get, get I'd get some packages back, I guess, for hard copies. She'd fax stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe she didn't fax stuff. I don't know if that's true. But uh, we'd talk on the phone, you know, once, twice a day, you know, as as needed. Yeah. So she, I mean, even though she was still working from home, she still had her, you know, right. You still knew what was going on, you know, and I was very careful to, to try and get everything, everything yeah. like off to her, you know, so that way she'd still be in the loop on what was going on. One, one thing I do feel terrible about to this day is 
I never, I never had plants when I was growing up. I never took care of plants, so we didn't have plants in my house. And Bobby had a lot of plants in the office. He had like four or five hanging plants, and mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like I just don't think to water the plants. And like within a month, the plants were all dead, and they sat there dead, dead until she came back. And I didn't even think to get new plants or whatever. So did she have any reaction to that? I'm sure you walk in the office, it was like death. It was like hanging death any, everywhere. Did she say anything? She didn't say anything okay. to me, but you know. She had a baby. She had a whole lot of other life to deal with. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But, you know, I, I, I do remember, like, occasionally, like, Ralph, like, sticking his head in the office and just looking, because he would water his plants, you know, re- regularly. <laughs> he would just, like, stick his head in the office and laugh. And I'm sure he's laughing at the fact that I killed the plants. He would have watered your plants, done a, done a solid for Bobby. <laughs> yeah. I think it was too late. By the time anybody realized it was too late. But yeah, she was she was home, and I would send her stuff, and then she would call me, and and you know that was it. So what was the, what was one disaster? One disaster was, uh, you know, there's there was a lot of projects we were working on. The books we were working on at the time, we were we were kind of closing out Peter David's Hulk run. Uh, we had the Iron uh, the Kurt Busiek Sean Chen Iron Iron Man. Uh, we had I think Captain America at that yeah. time. Uh, Dan and Andy. Dan Jurgens, yeah, and uh, X Force. You know, it was it was, it was some right. Marvel heroes books, and then like a smattering. Yeah, Jim Chung, and else, you know, and then some other random things. Yeah, yeah. we had a bunch of books coming and going, and the, all of a sudden, the previews catalog, like the new previews catalog, comes in, and it's got this cover image for the death of Galactus. Okay, it's like you know the death of Galactus, and I'm I'm like, wow, that's cool. Turns out that there's a book that was supposed to be done in our office that I had never heard of that is now solicited. It's on the cover of previews. <laughs> And I'm, I'm, I never heard of it. Like I'd only been there a couple of months. Like if this had, maybe it was something that had been discussed beforehand. But uh, it was uh, who's who's the writer? Louis Simonson. Is this the book that John and and Sienkiewicz did? Big John. Well, that's this is like when it gets okay. into kind of like you know. Spam. Boy, I just spoiled the whole spoiler thing. alert. But uh, I think Louis Simonson was the writer, and uh, it was supposed to be John Muth, John J. Muth on the artwork. I'm a huge fan of his. Sure. It's this beautiful painted cover, The Death of Galactus, and. Uh, all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, people start, like, kind of coming in the office and ask me where the project's at. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is. It's some big, huge event. It's on the cover of previews. And I had never heard That's of it. Galactus, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So little by little, we got, you know, it was a lot of scrambling. And I think, I think it actually did get delayed. But we ended up going with John G. Muth penciled the first issue. Because all of a sudden, like, he, he had committed to something else in the meantime. And he couldn't do it. But then uh, he penciled the first issue. Built and Kevich inked him on the first issue. It was gorgeous. And then we did um, John Buscema. Right. Got to draw the, the rest of it, inked by Dolson Kevich. John, who's the best. So there was still kind of like a visual continuity with it, with Sienkiewicz inks. I mean, obviously, yeah. uh, you know, he, he he skews a page a certain way where it's going to look, you know, like that, that, that voice is going to be clear above right. whoever he's inking over. But yeah, that, it turned out to be a really fun project. Got to work with John Buscema, Bill what, what did John say about Galactus's eyes? Wasn't there a thing where he asked what kind of eyes... No, no, it wasn't a thing. <laughs> it's a different. I, I got to work with John Buscema a couple of times. Probably, probably the the highlights of yeah. You know the my greatest day at Marvel was the day I hung out with yeah. John for sure. Yeah, there was another story where we we had a we closed out the M Tech line. Uh, I don't know if right. you remember those books. It was like sure. Warlock, uh, Deathlock, Deathlock, yeah. uh, and there was a th- that's, there was a that third a good, one, the Deathlock story with John doing a fill-in issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. We it's like Nightmare Deadline and. Uh, we need an issue drawn in like two weeks. And like this uh, was a revamped Deathlock. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think I think it was Joe Casey wrote it. I think, I think maybe. so. I'm trying to remember what the third book in the M Tech line. It was Warlock, Deathlock, X51, X51. 
So we had to get a fill-in issue on Deathlock. And we only had like two weeks to get it done. It was a really tight deadline. Bobby asked if I'd call John Bissema. And I was hesitant to call John just because... He's retired. He's retired and he's like he's like a legend. You don't call yeah. him for like a, you know... Villain. Uh, Villain uh, on a dying book, you know? <laughs> but he's a professional, you know? Yeah. It's, it, you know? There's no... I mean, you call them up. He's like, okay, send me all the reference. Send me everything I'll need. I, I can do it. I'm like, John, thank you. You know, a million thanks. Sent them the reference. Now, you work with John and yeah. like, you know... I wasn't an early riser, but I would get in the office before 10 o'clock most days, like between 9 and 10. There's already a phone message waiting for me from 6 a.m. John Buscema wants to go over the reference. So I, like, I talk to him. I call him back. Well, John, oh, okay, yeah, I got this thing, and I'm looking at it, and, you know, what's? Uh, I thought this was going to be a Deathlock book. I'm like, it is. It is Deathlock. This doesn't look like Deathlock. <laughs> like, John, well, you know, it's explained to him the M-Tech line. It's a revamp of the character. Like, didn't he used to be a... This is John Buscema talking about yeah. it. Didn't he used to be a, a zombie robot? <laughs> and I'm like, yes. Yeah, he did used to be a zombie robot. He's like, who would ruin a perfectly good zombie robot? <laughs> it's like a question for the ages. I, I, I didn't have an answer for him. Not that that book... I, I like the new Deathlock book. It's right. just, you know, it's visually, you know, that it's... But he was of the school of a comic book as the audience that he had in mind, or yeah. I still have it in mind as a... A, you know, nine to fourteen year old boy. Yeah, zombie robot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two great tastes. I mean, great together. I still, I mean, that that Deathlock, the visual of that character is still very striking. To me. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. Yeah. The Galactus thing. Back to that. Yeah. Was that John drew Galactus with human eyes, like like eyes, like okay. a, you know, a pupil and all that stuff. And I guess John Byrne had popularized popularized. Yeah. You want to try it? You want to get a clean one? Yeah. Popularized. <laughs> I guess he had uh, made famous the square, uh, like these kind of like square, yeah. black tin eyes in Galactus. And uh, that was like the look for Galactus. And we had to art, and I, I, I protested the art correction of John B. Simmons art just because I, I didn't think it was necessary for the story. We're killing Galactus anyway. <laughs> Who cares what his eyes look like? Right. But uh, we ended up art correcting them. We had, I think, Sinkevich just think them in square like that. I want to go back to being an artist in editorial, yeah, and sort of finding a way to make that useful. Yes. How much on on that note? How much did it bother you, or not bother you, that Bobby was having me do cover sketches for Iron Man instead of just having you do them? Oh, it didn't that didn't bother me at all? Not even a little. No, I don't care. You know, the, the, if you look at if you look at where. I am coming from, especially at that point, like as an artist, you know, I'm definitely more, and to this day, I'm definitely more Saturday morning cartoon than I am, you know, superhero stuff. That's just where my, my skill set and where my, that's where I, that's where I go when given the opportunity to draw or write things. Like yes. I, I do things more cartoony and I could lay out a cover compositionally. That's not an issue, you know, but you know, you definitely are more of a superhero artist than I am. Yeah. Know? But this was greatest context for this. We were both assistants, and... You had actually drawn comics for them at that point. Yes. Yeah. But, basically, Bobby was having me do cover sketches for Sean Chen on Iron Man, mm -hmm. and a few cases for Salvador La Roca on Fantastic Four. Yes. And I loved it. I mean, it's like the easy part of drawing is, is creating composition, mm -hmm. just figure the poses out, you never have to do a tight pencil or anything. Yeah. You could have done that. You have compositional skills. It didn't have to look like... 
had other things to do. I, I had my hands full. Look, I, I love doing it. I just there was a there was a, certainly a part of me that always sort of thought, "Great, it's an extra fifty bucks per cover sketch. I'll take it." Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! You got paid for those? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Now I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so. Yeah. So, oh, man, all that money. Uh, but again, I gave away all my letters pages to my interns. That's ridiculous. And at that point, Marvel actually paid. The assistant editors to do letters bucks. pages. Yeah, 100 bucks a letters page. And uh, I, I would just give them away. Can you tell, speaking of giving things to your interns, can you tell the story about the intern you just wanted out of your hair and sent on a mission to fax something? Oh, it wasn't faxing. And I did this a couple of times. It was, fa- it was faxing to Starkings, wasn't it? And somebody, oh, I did. Yeah. Have to fill the story for you. Maybe you had an intern. I feel like a heel telling you the story. Go ahead. I'll laugh. You had an intern. Uh huh. I don't remember her name. Oh, it was a her. Yeah. Okay. I think that's who it was. And you, you sent her. I think it was thirty page. I think it was to Kurt then. Oh. Thirty an issue of a comic. Yeah. Faxes to Kurt, Iron Man pages. Yeah. And she was gone because the fax machines took a while. Yeah, they did. Like. Especially for pages. Do you remember this now? You know, I, it, it does ring a bell, but like, you know, it's, <laughs> well, it's so good. There's a lot, there's a lot of interns sometimes. And again, I was an intern myself. You were an intern. Wait, I think, the end of the story is you get a call. Yeah. From, I think it was Kurt, unless it was, it was either Kurt Busick or Richard Starkings. Uh-huh. Now that I'm remembering, I think it was Kurt. Oh, she faxed it upside down. She faxed yeah, he was yeah. just getting 30 pages of blank. Like paper. Yeah. With like the little just or on the bottom yeah <laughs> now we we were interns yeah and you know there's there's a certain mentality when you're an intern just kind of like keep your ears open keep your mouth shut just learn what you can be helpful and useful in whatever capacity they want you to be helpful and useful in yeah you know if they need something done do it don't complain about it don't ask any questions if you happen to be within earshot of a conversation happening between an editor and the editor-in-chief about, like, what should happen to Wolverine, you know, don't join in in the conversation. Let them finish their thoughts and just be, be you know, just relish in, the, in the, the knowledge that, like, you know, you, you were within earshot of that conversation. You actually heard that. It's cool. You know, you're there. It's cool. But then you would get interns. and in You know, when I was an assistant, you'd get interns. Some of them were great. And some of them would literally, like, you know, like, you'd be on the phone and talk with somebody, and they'd, like, interrupt you and like start offering you suggestions about what what should what should happen yeah and for those interns like there, there was always creative ways to get them out of the office it just reminded I, me uh, i had one intern he was so bad he was always like just talk 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 we there's a bound book room up at marvel at least there used to be a bound book room and this book room it's like a little library where they have collected versions of uh, you know the yeah, many comics she's bound under yes, hardcover yes yes so uh, I forget what it was like. Some some obscure it was like like Blade or like you know Journey into Mystery or something. I, I'm like, I just had to get this kid out of the office. I'm like, listen, I need you to go get this these volumes of the, this bound book. I need you to photocopy every page in it. Every page. I need you to photocopy these entire and these books are like you know it's like ten issues. issues. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Like the run. This is before like you know essentials. Before there was yeah. trades at ready or whatever. And the, I could tell the kid was miserable. He was just like, really, all that? I'm like, yeah, all, I need to send it to a writer for a reference. <laughs> you, you need to photocopy the whole thing. So, you know, send him out in his way, he does it. He comes back with, like, a bunch of them. I, like, look at them, and I'm like, oh, no, these, these are too dark. 
Oh my god. Too dark, too dark. You gotta start all over again. Too dark. Wow. I know, I was real jerk. I was real jerk. But then uh, he goes away and then he comes back and then they're better. But I notice he hasn't photocopied the ads. No. I'm like, don't you, I need the ads. These have to be like historically accurate. I need the ads and I need you to find the ads where they lie and collate, recollate Come the on. ads back into the books. I just wanted them out of the office. <laughs> this is like, it turned into like a week long project. You just like, so there was like a, an exact duplicate replica in photocopy form of these three volumes. I think I just recycled them. Then we'll take a leap. You went from assistant. I left while you were still an assistant. Oh, so, but just for closure, Bobby came back and I was her assistant for, I guess, a long time after that, too. Right. And then you got slit. You slid over. Wasn't that much longer, though, because I left right about when Jemis showed up. Right. And then you were there for, for that. Yeah, they moved me down to Ralph Macchio's office. I right. became Ralph's assistant when the Ultimate line was still... I wasn't there for, like, Ultimate Spider-Man number one or the launch of Ultimate Spider-Man number one. I was... Uh, I think the first book I, I worked on was Ultimate Spider-Man number four. From there, and the Ultimate X-Men books were... Uh, or Ultimate X-Men was still in the X office. It wasn't like... There wasn't, like, a centralized Ultimate Universe office at that point. Right, you had Ultimate Spider-Man, that Ultimate book that Duncan was drawing. No, that came later. Was it later? Yeah, Ultimate Adventure or whatever it was. Whatever it was, yeah. yeah. But you guys were sort of like um, somehow Ralph's office and you became like the way station for a lot of Demis's yeah pet projects. Yeah, Marvel. Yeah, uh, Marvel. that Submariner thing, right? Is that in your office? No, we didn't do that one. Right. Marvel though was his. That was his jam. <laughs> yeah, there was some weird thing. Well, was, I'm trying to think what other books I worked on with Ralph, like when we first, when I first came into Ralph's office, because it wasn't like we didn't have a lot of like monthly books. Ultimate Spider-Man was like the focus. Right. You were working on the Spider-Man movie adaptation. We did that. We did the. Dan and Alan. Dan and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was cool. And uh, we did. I have, to say, I have to say last names, don't I? Yeah. I have to say first names. Like we know Stan Lee and Alan Davis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know either of them. We did that X-Men Forever book. We closed that out. We did a Spider-Man Mysterio limited series that um, I think Tom DeFalco wrote it, and who uh, was on the art? I don't know. I don't know either. But again, like it was, it was, a, it was a weird time for that office, just because like obviously there was a lot of muscle behind the Ultimate yeah. books doing well, and that was like our primary focus. And then like we ended up doing a lot of other little books, uh, like not not little to, to say they were unimportant, but just like you know books that small projects yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and and then we ended up getting a lot of the um, books for Burger King and Master Lock, custom and, comics. Yes, sure. exactly. Yeah. But now in this time, and and the reason, I, aside from sort of a timeline of your career, mm-hmm. you're dealing with a couple of some fairly volatile personalities in comics. Ralph, at least for the people in the office, had a certain reputation as you know, coming you know, not even he coming late. <laughs> sort of, you know, had this, there, there was a reputation of Ralph is like, he's just part of the office. He doesn't yeah. do anything. You know, so it's like, wow, you have to work extra hard if you're working for Ralph. And then Bill Jemis, at the time, his reputation was one thing. His reputation is whatever it is now. But it was certainly this idea of Bill Jemis as this sort of force of nature. Yeah. And then Joe was the new chief. Yeah. So there was a lot of, Big personalities and, and ideas being thrown around. Yeah. 
you're in the middle of this swarm. <laughs> and as far as I know, and maybe I'm biased cause I'm your friend. You make, you make no enemies. Like everybody like, you know, for all the stories people have about Bill Jemis, you got along with him. Yeah. I was, you know, I was, I was told get along with Bill. I haven't seen him in a while, but you know, there's no, definitely no ill will there. Or, you know, so how, how do you navigate that terrain? Whereas other people, I mean, we know people that quit because of Bill, like, yeah, I quit. I can't stand you anymore. Right. So what's, what's, uh, this has less to do with making comics and more to do with just you as a human <laughs> being. I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I was really interested in the work and I was really interested in doing a good job. And, uh, you know, it's part of that job is, and you, you work with a lot of different writers and artists and you have a lot of different personalities on in, at play at any, on any project. I guess you, you just kind of observe a lot and, you know, just kind of know what the boundaries are, like, you know, where, where you need to push or how far you can push and when you need to stop pushing. Uh, because no matter what you say, it's out of your hands and, you know, you just got to get the job done at the end of the day. I don't know. I'm you think, just, do you I'm, think just, I'm, just, has... I'm, I'm a pretty laid back guy, you know, I'm, I'm pretty easy going. I, I, I don't, I don't really get uh, upset too much. I mean, at least initially towards the end of my Marvel career, I was, angry all the time i I I remember that i don't know why i just like it's something snapped you think part of the reason why you were laid back and sort of rode with it Mm -hmm. was and this is going to track back a bit but when we were interns and assistants a lot of us that were there had this like the dream thing mine was power pack right other people want to write x-men somebody else wanted to be on do something with spider-man whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. you were always the guy who thought I always liked Iron Man, but I got no Iron Man ideas. I want yeah. to read an Iron Man comic. Yeah. You never had a, like you liked Marvel comics, but you would prefer to write a Jughead comic. Yeah, probably. Given, given the opportunity. And that there's, there's definitely like things that I, characters that I, I absolutely love in the Marvel universe. But like, you know, for, there was never really that one thing where it was like, I have to tell this story with this character. It's like, I, I'm more of, let's get some really talented people together and come up with the best story we can for this character. And not really, you know, railroad it one way or the other. Um, Although there were a few instances where you had ideas for characters. I, I tend to gravitate towards characters that I thought had potential and um, weren't being used at the time. And then uh, I proceeded to, but your ideas would come from like a, a, a ways away. So yeah. like, uh, what was the, well, the Quasar idea was awesome. I had an idea for Quasar that I wanted to do, but I just never had any, you know. Right, because it was such a dramatic. Yeah. I think, like, he literally, like. Uh, you wanted to turn Quasar into the Living Tribunal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living Tribunal is killed, and then Quasar has to become, like, he sits on the moon or something. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then you find the new Quasar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you had an Iron Fist thing. We actually got to do the Iron Fist story. I, we, we had launched, a, when I was still in Bobby's office, we had a new Warriors comic that yeah. launched. I remember there was a lot of weird stuff around that launch just because they had just launched a, a Nova comic that Eric Larson was uh, yes. writing and drawing, I believe. And all of a sudden we have a Nova in our book and like there was, it's a new New Warriors comic. So they wanted all new characters and costume designs and whatever else. And Nova had a different costume in our book, you know, by choice. So this is like part of this team, this new yeah. look or whatever. It wasn't like we're trying to make anybody's lives miserable. It was just like, okay, let's define this book, this team. Here's a new look for all the characters. And uh, I, I just the timing was really bad just because there was a Nova book and Nova is still wearing his costume in that book and whatever else. Mm-hmm. But uh, the New Warriors as a team didn't really have a lot of villains. They didn't have like villains that were inherent to them as characters just because most of those characters were 
relatively new. I think who's on the news like Speedball, Namorita. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I had the idea. Well, Iron Fist is a great name. Uh, you know, I, I loved the Iron Fist as a character when I was growing up. I, yeah. You know, I read Deadly Hands of Kung Fu magazine, and but it always struck me as a, as a very cool villain name. You know, it's like Iron Fist. You know, like the like the dictator or whatever. So like, okay, and the the Iron Fist power, as I understood it, and I still think it is like this. It is transferable from character to character. I mean. I, I think they've established now that it's a legacy thing. There have been yeah. Iron Fists throughout time. Throughout time. So okay, so let's have some like upstart, you know, like kind of like kung fu kid, like get this power, steal the power from Danny Rand, and become a villain. He's like, you know, it's going to be an Iron Fist villain. And we actually got to do that story, but I, I don't think anybody picked up on that or used it or whatever. You remember when uh, when we were assistants? The, the attitude we had, and I know we're completely derailing the the biography of. Yeah. Brian Smitty Smith. But do you remember the attitude? I mean, you and I said it all the time, which was, you know, when you're 30, you should just, you got to go. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> Not really. Like as assistants, we were so just frustrated because we had ideas for stuff. Yeah. You know, yours were like, you know, turn iron, take iron fist, make it a villain. Yeah. You know, whatever the case might be. I wanted to do I, like Iron Fist, and I wanted to do a Taskmaster story because I always loved that character, the the, the potential for the powers yeah. of that character, and I got to do a Taskmaster story too. But again, it's like it's it's taking something that nobody was really using at the time and putting a new coat of paint on it and spinning it in a different way. Sure. And you know, all of a sudden, like you do something like that, and 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 both of those cases, all of a sudden, like these purists come out of the woodwork. Like, what well, are you, what are you doing, Iron Fist? Like. Nobody's been doing anything to Iron Fist for twenty years. Yeah. Like let's let's do something with Iron Fist. I remember I had an idea for a new teen superhero team mm-hmm. and Falcon would be like their leader. Like right. That many of the outsiders, but Falcon would take in this team. And uh Kurt Busick was like Falcon wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. That's not what Fa- and I kept thinking like, isn't his whole thing is community building up a community sort of ground level? Why wouldn't he take on a team of young heroes looking to make a change? But either the point is, we were young and we had bit like yeah. quote unquote wild ideas. Yeah. And the the generation above us, who were making the actual decisions, yeah, weren't quite on on the same page. Yeah. But you know, in a lot of those cases, it was probably for the best. Well, that's the, that's the question <laughs> is now that we are in our thirties. Yeah. It would have been like assistant editors month every month if they wanted to do what we wanted to do, which and, we never got to do. No, I know we never did. And you know, we all want, that was like, oh, we tried so hard. I know that was the dream. Everybody like every, I'm sure every class of assistant editors that has like some kind of, you know, like a, a, a group, like, to the, like if they're in a group, like a runner, and they, yeah, yeah. then they want, they want to do something cool. An esprit de corps. Oh, wow. Fancy. Oh, I know it's fancy, Nancy. I know words. I think any any class of assistant editors worth their salt wants that crack. They want to do that, you know. They want to they want their shot at assistant editors month. Yeah, we never got to do it. So at this point, you're still an assistant. Yes, but you were starting to fray a little bit because I remember at least in Ultimate Spider-Man, mm-hmm. you would purposely misspell your name in the credits. No, that's that's not true. That's not true. What? I I would intentionally misspell my name in the credits. When we had forgotten to credit somebody, or we had misspelled somebody's name, okay, prior, <laughs> which which happens, you know, it's, yeah. it wasn't just Ultimate Spider-Man. I did it in a in a in a at least a dozen books that I, you know, it was always an interesting conversation. And normally it was Chris Russo in the bullpen, and I'd say like, dude, can you just misspell my name? <laughs> He's like, why why do you want me to do that? And I'm like, I explained to him like, oh, 
uh, Cliff Rathburn inked like half this issue, and we totally forgot to credit him last issue, like of Ultimate X Men. You know, right. and I feel terrible about it. So either drop my name out or misspell my name. So that way, you know, I can say like, look, you know, it have, I even do it myself sometimes. But would you also throw in a, you know, like an addendum last issue, so many pages were inked by Chris Cliff, or you just, you just misspelled we're, your name? We're applicable. Like if we could, okay. if we could credit the person, like, you know, if we had a letters page in the book, right. obviously we would correct it in the letters page, but on a lot of the, like in the ultimate books, we never had letters pages. You know? Right. But uh, it definitely was not like a uh, like a. a it wasn't a, you, just sort of like. It wasn't me thumbing my nose at anybody. Okay. It, it was just me, you know, just trying to, you know. I didn't realize that. Make up some, you know, <laughs> karma in the world. I just remember hearing about it and thinking it was hilarious, particularly Brain Smith. Yeah. And Brian Smith, I think, was the best. Oh, I'd get I'd get letters, you know, and like you know when 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 we when we first started, like you know, there wasn't much emailing of editorial like no. you know, fans or whatever. Like no, it was you know? physical. Yeah. Physical letters would show up. Yeah. So, but like, I would still like people would complain, like you don't even know how to spell your own name, <laughs> and I'd laugh. You know? yeah, it's hilarious. But again, it's, it was a different, it's a different time up there, man. I think I think you were allowed to be a bit of an oddball at that point. You know, I yeah. don't I don't know if that's still allowed. Did you ever officially become an editor? Or were you always? I was an associate editor. I got promoted once, and you edited certain projects, and they would give me projects. That I would get an editor credit on, like I would do, uh, like the manga verse. Yeah, hundred greatest marvels. Like it was, marvels. it was a reprint book, which was weird, but like uh, I, the Taskmaster miniseries. Yep. Which brings up another volatile character in the world of comics, mm-hmm. or, or sort of a, a, a person in comics that you were aligned with at one point, got along with fairly well. Chuck Austin. Yeah, and I never understood that. Chuck's Chuck's a great guy, man. Like I never understood why people. I never met him. I don't know anything. I just know you worked with him for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And got along with him. You worked I... with him after you left Marvel. When when we first started working together, the first thing I ever worked on with Chuck, and I, I we you know we touch base every once in a while. I've yeah. spoken to him in a while, but it was a, that weekly War Machine comic, the black and white That's War right. Machine comic. I did that too. He wrote that. As far as I know, that was the first thing that he had done up at Marvel, and uh, it was it was a black and white weekly comic book. And uh, it was a ton of work to get done, but he sure. put that whole thing together. I believe he used an animation studio in Korea to do a lot of the backgrounds and whatnot. And, but uh, it got done. Every issue shipped on time. And uh, I think Bill Jemis took a liking to Chuck's work and put him on Electra, like the Marvel Knights Electra book. When that went, and I think Chuck was actually on the art at first too, like on, on the first huh. couple of issues. I don't even know if he was drawing. I don't know if he was writing it and drawing it. But yeah, I had nothing, nothing but good time working with Chuck. I mean. It's uh, I think I think people started hammering him on his X Men run, yeah. right? But I mean, I, w- I wasn't really working on any of that stuff at that time, so I wasn't aware of like the degree of people. And at that time, anybody on the X Men was yeah. going to get. I mean, even Claremont got static for his X Men, and yeah. Chris Claremont. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think everybody at some point is going to take some heat for a decision they make in a story with with the fan base that Marvel has. You know, the, the fans right. are very passionate about these characters, but uh. Yeah, there was just, I remember, like, it wasn't until like, a couple of years after I'd left that, like, uh, you know, to, to, to the degree people did not like Chuck's work. I, I don't get it. I mean, maybe I need to reread it and see, like, what the, all the hubbub's about. But one of the most painful things, though, I think I've ever seen working up there is actually listening to other editors give portfolio reviews at conventions. It's like, you know, and I, I know for a fact, just because like you talk to people about it, and, like other editors, like it used to terrify some of these editors, some yeah. of the, especially some of the assistants, because you got to like sit there and act like you know what you're talking about, and you know, chances are you probably don't know what you're talking about. Like, 
from an art standpoint, I think a lot, a lot of, you know, you know it when you see it. You know, it's easy. It's easy. Like, oh, you're definitely ready to do this. I could tell because this looks like a professionally penciled page. Right. But to give somebody like the the kind of tips and insight and like, you know, really hone in on where they need to improve. To get to that. Point. Yeah. I don't I don't know if a lot of people are equipped to do that. No. Did, you, did you ever have to give portfolio reviews? Oh, yeah. I kind of like it. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I, 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 I always felt very comfortable talking with people. And like, you know, 99 times out of 100, you're talking to somebody who's not ready. Yes. You know, so it's like you, you really need to like look at what they're doing. And, you know, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. But then again, you know, I saw quite a few people that were amazing, doing awesome stuff. It just wasn't anything I could use as like, you know, a Marvel editor. Like they weren't making Marvel type comics. But, you know, then you got to just encourage them to find, find their outlet, find their audience. Did you ever find anybody? Never, never on site, like at a, at a convention. Although there is a story, I, I don't even remember this. I think you told me the story that, uh, I met Jason Howard at a convention. I believe so. And uh, he, we had he had left samples, and like I, I talked to him. I, I remember talking to him. Yeah. And then uh, I left. Yeah. I left Marvel like right after that, so we never got to work together until years later. Yeah. <laughs> I just I find it interesting that just sort of the different paths people take, and you were out finding guys. I mean, I think that's one thing you and I both did. In we a would way. make a we'd make a lot of phone calls. You tried to reach out. To Dave Cooper? No. Although, Rodolfo DiMaggio. Rodolfo. Oh, man, he's awesome. Yeah. I know. But like, I, I know I called Bill Thompson to do a film on the Hulk. She couldn't at the time. Yeah. yeah. But we were, I guess we were lucky in that our editors gave us leash to at least try. Yeah. Um, the, first, the first project I ever got to edit, and I didn't get credit for it in the book because assistant editors didn't get credited at that yeah. time unless there was a letters page. In the, the letters comic. page. There'd be like a little word balloon with the assistant editor. But uh, we did a, a series of books called uh, Before the Four. Yes. And it was like Tales of the Fantastic Four before they had gotten their powers. It was a cool concept. Yeah, but yeah. I, got to, I got to do, originally I had pitched it as a Ben Grimm Logan right. limited series, like a Cold War thing, like, you know, them and the, you know, what it ended up being drawn by Kari Andrews. But I also got to work with Larry Hama for yeah. the first time, which was like a dream come true for me because I, I was such a huge G.I. Joe fan growing up. So right. getting to work with Larry was, uh, was a dream. And, you know, Kari, uh, that, that ended up being great. You know, I haven't spoken with him in a while either. And again, that, like, you kind of leave Marvel, and at least to me, there's, like, this mentality where, like, when, when you're there, it's, there's a saying my dad has, for, like, guys around the firehouse, like, when you're there, you're the best. When, you, when you're not, you're a pest. You don't, like, when you're there and you're, you're, ne- you're a necessary part of the machine, of course, like, you, you want to be, like, up and talking to everybody, but when you're not there... You know, you, I mean, you know it as, as well as I do. Like, there'd be, like, kind of editors from years your, like, walking through the halls, and people would, like, sneer at them. Like, yeah. you know, they were not necessarily a welcome presence in the building. Certainly not at that point, like, getting hired for, like, writing work or anything like that. Yeah. And I think that policy is still in effect, you know, like, former editors or whatnot. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's like a written, unwritten policy. That yeah. Some Because some former editors get work. Yeah. And then others, you just never, they just don't. Well, I mean, that's. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, there was this, this at least for me looking at the way of the land, like if you're not working up there anymore, if you're not in the office, it's like you're not necessarily, like if we see you at a convention or whatever, hey, but like don't come around. Like, you know, you're just, we got stuff to do, like stuff that you used to do that you're not doing anymore. Yeah. So. But in terms of keeping in touch with creators. Yeah, even that, it's like <laughs> they're busy doing their thing and 
You know, very, like, very few dudes that I like even, you know, I'll see them at shows and it's like you get caught up and, and whatever else. But like, yeah. I don't want to bug anybody or, you know, email them or give them phone calls or, you know, they yeah, got I stuff used to, to do that. Do. I mean, I think I was bored at Nickelodeon and I got free long distance. So I would call yeah. guys all the time. Yeah. I just chat, you know. Yeah. Hey, what's going on? What are you working on? I loved it because mm-hmm. that was the best part. For me, that was the best part of the job. Being an assistant was talking to the creators. Sure. Like there was no... One of, one of the things, and I think you and I both took advantage of this, was that that feeling of like freedom, where like let's let's get some let's contact some people that we want to work with. I yeah. called Jeff Darrow about an Iron Man cover. I remember with Fin Fang Foom on the Seattle Space Needle. It was going to be awesome. He couldn't do it. I also called. I got Mike Mignola to agree to write a Mole Man story for Dave Cooper. Yes, and it just never materialized. Like for whatever reason, like you know, everybody was on board, and it, uh, Did that happened before or after I finally got him to do the cover. That Thor cover. Oh, I don't know. Probably after. Because that was the last job I assigned yeah. before I left. I tried, it was two years before I got him to do something. Yeah. I called him every six months. Just talked to him. Talked mm-hmm. about Atlantis. Because that was happening at the time. And Yeah. Yeah, just get on the phone with guys. And the only guys I sort of hit like brick walls was Garcia Lopez, who was exclusive to DC. Or, you know. Evan Dorkin, who I never got a call back from. Mm. But you try. Like, yeah. you just shoot for it. Be like, I remember trying to find Frank Quitely was, forget, because that's not his name. Yeah. It's a pen name. <laughs> and I remember searching. I don't know if you remember this, but just because he was doing an alternate cover to Avengers Forever number four. Mm-hmm. He had done Flex Mentalo. It was awesome. Yep. And, man, finding him was, Reed Javins came in, saved the day. He I knew his name. I remember there was a, I've never seen this poster anywhere uh, except for at Marvel. There was a Fantastic Four poster that Jeff Darrow had drawn. That was like, I think it was in Polly's office. Okay. It was like this awesome, it was like, again, like Mole Man, like Moloids and like just stuff everywhere. It was so cool. And like, I, I don't know of any other stuff he's ever done. You know? Yeah. He did a drawing of Ant-Man for you. Yes, he did. That, um, you, that you secured for me. Yeah, on yeah. spiral notebook paper. Yeah. Uh, no, it was a drawing of Tin Can Iron Man. Right, but Ant-Man. No, no, no. It's just Tin Can Iron Man with a little antenna up, and Iron Man is literally saying, Ant-Man, I need you. That's right. <laughs> How awesome was the Nook, though? Nook was good. For, for, for people who are listening, because they yes. weren't there. No, they weren't. Every morning, like, in my office, I wasn't supposed to show up till 10. Mm-hmm. Every morning, I'd come in at maybe like 9.45, something like 9.30 with my breakfast. We'd sit in your office. Yeah. Bobby wasn't around. Yeah. And Polly Watts would come in. And the three of us, it was like a morning show. We'd yeah. hang out. Yeah. We'd each, you'd take, the, you'd take Bobby's desk. Yeah. I'd sit at my desk. And then, like, the guests would be on the couch. And people would come great. in. That's great. I think everybody was a guest on, on that show at one point. Like, people would just pop in. Like, oh, hey. People would come in normally for work reasons. Yeah. And we'd, like, you know, act like they were, like, just walked in on the show and make them sit down on the couch. Yeah. And they'd sit there frustrated for, like, a minute until they started playing along. And, you know, it was okay. fun. It was a fun job. It was. It was a fun job. Played wiffle ball. Yeah, we played wiffle ball with uh, Pete from Pete and Pete. I wasn't there for that. Wiffle Why ball. Wasn't I wear for that. There for that. I don't know. All right. Part one of my talk. With Smitty, what's going to happen in part two? Another classic stuff said cliffhanger right in your ears. 
StuffSaidShow.com is the website for the show. If you go there, you can leave a comment under the uh, episode entry. I respond to those. You can also email me at StuffSaid at gmail.com. You can show your appreciation for the show to the world by going on iTunes and clicking uh, four or five stars. Go with five stars. And maybe even writing a comment there. Apparently, and I don't know how this works... That helps the show get noticed on iTunes. Hey, tweet about the show. If you have Twitter, I don't. Talk about it on your uh, social networking platforms. If you like it, if you think people should listen to it, I certainly would appreciate it. Get more people listening, learning about people in the world of comics and what we're like. Speaking of people in the world of comics, Stuff Said is also broadcast quote unquote via the Acme Wave Projector which is the podcasting network of my friends down at Acme Comics in Greensboro, North Carolina if you go to acmewaveprojector.com you can see what they have to offer by way of audio earbud talk fests up next part two with Smitty where we, we leave the nest of our olden days at Marvel and talk about everything since. Well, almost everything since. Oh, what what does that mean? Guess what? You'll find out on the next episode of Stuff Said. So, that's about all the stuff I have left to say. See you next time for part two.